Part six of The Gray Mills of Farley by Sarah Orne Jewett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The agent was going into the counting room one day when he met old Father Daly and they stopped for a bit of friendly talk. Could you come in for a few minutes, sir? asked the younger man. There's nobody in the counting room. The busy priest looked up at the weather beaten clock in the mill tower. I can, he said. "'Tis not so late as I thought. We'll soon be having the mail." The agent led the way and brought one of the director's comfortable chairs from the committee room. Then he spun his own chair face about from before his desk, and they sat down. It was a warm day in the middle of September. The windows were wide open on the side toward the river, and there was a flicker of light on the ceiling from the sunny water. The noise of the fall was loud and incessant in the room. Somehow, one never noticed it very much when the mills were running. "'How are the Duffies?' asked the agent. "'Very bad,' answered the old priest gravely. "'The doctor sent for me. He couldn't get them to take any medicine. He says that it isn't typhoid, only a low fever among them from bad food and want of care. That tenement is very old and bad. The drains from the upper tenement have leaked and spoiled the whole west side of the building.' I suppose they never told you of it. I did the best I could about it last spring, said the agent. They were afraid of being turned out, and they hid it for that reason. The company allowed me something for repairs as usual, and I tried to get more. You see, I spent it all before I knew what a summer was before us. Whatever I have done since, I have paid for, except what they call legitimate work and care of property. Last year I put all Maple Street into first-rate order and meant to go right through the corporation. I've done the best I could, he protested with a bright spot of color in his cheeks. Some of the men have tinkered up their tenements, and I have counted it toward the rent, but they don't all know how to drive a nail. Tis true for you. You have done the best you could, said the priest heartily, and both men were silent, while the river which was older than they, and had seen a whole race of men disappear before they came. The river took this opportunity to speak louder than ever. I think that manufacturing prospects look a little brighter, said the agent, wishing to be cheerful. There are some good orders out, but of course the buyers can take advantage of our condition. The treasurer writes me that we must be firm about not starting up until we are sure of business on a good paying margin like last year's asked the priest who was resting himself in the armchair there was a friendly twinkle in his eyes like last year's answered the agent i worked like two men and i pushed the mills hard to make that larger profit i saw there was trouble coming and i told the directors and asked for a special surplus but i had no idea of anything like this Nine per cent in these times was too grand a prize, said Father Daly, but the twinkle in his eyes had suddenly disappeared. You won't get your new church for a long time yet, said the agent. No, no, said the old man impatiently. I have kept the foundations going as well as I could, and the talk for their own sakes. It gives them something to think about. I took the money they gave me in collections and let them have it back again for work. "'Tis well to lead their minds.' And he gave a quick glance at the agent. 
tis no pride of mine for church-building and no good credit with a bishop i'm after young men can be satisfied with those things not an old priest like me that prays to be a father to his people father daly spoke as a man speaks to a man straight out of an honest heart i see many things now that i used to be blind about long ago he said you may take a man who comes over him and his wife they fall upon good wages and their heads are turned with joy they've been hungry for generations back and they've always seen those above them who dress fine and live soft and they want a taste of luxury too they're bound to satisfy themselves so they'll spend and spend and have beefsteak for dinner every day just because they never had enough before but they turn into wild beasts of selfishness and most of em if they had no check tis there the church steps in remember your maker and do him honour in his house of prayer says she be self-denying be thinking of eternity and of what's sure to come and you will join with me in believing that it's never those who have given most to the church who come first to the ground in a hard time like this show me a good church and i'll show you a thrifty people father daly looked eagerly at the agent for sympathy you speak the truth sir said the agent those that give most are always the last to hold out with honest independence and the first to do for others some priests may have plundered their parishes for pride's sake there's no saying what is in poor human nature repeated father daly earnestly god forgive us all for unprofitable servants of him and his church i believe in saying more about prayer and right living and less about collections in god's house but it's the giving hand that's the rich hand all the world over i don't think ireland has ever sent us over many misers st patrick must have banished them all with the snakes suggested the agent with a grim smile the priest shook his head and laughed a little and then both men were silent again in the counting-room the mail train whistled noisily up the road and came into the station at the end of the empty street then it rang its loud bell and puffed and whistled away again i'll bring your mail over sir said the agent presently sit here and rest yourself until i come back and we'll walk home together the leather mail-bag looked thin and flat and the leisurely postmaster had nearly distributed its contents by the time the agent had crossed the street and reached the office his clerks were both off on a long holiday they were brothers and were glad of the chance to take their vacations together they had been on lower pay there was little to do in the counting-room hardly anybody's time to keep or even a letter to write two or three loiterers stopped the agent to ask him the usual question if there were any signs of starting up an old farmer who sat in his long wagon before the post-office asked for news too and touched his hat with an awkward sort of military salute come out to our place and stop a few days he said kindly you look kind of pinched up and bleached out mr agent you can't be needed much here i wish i could come said the agent stopping again and looking up at the old man with a boyish expectant face nobody had happened to think about him in just that way and he was far from thinking about himself i've got to keep an eye on the people that are left here you see they've had a pretty hard summer not so hard as you have said the old man as the agent went along the street 
You've never had a day of rest more than once or twice since you were born. There were two letters and a pamphlet for Father Daly, and a thin handful of circulars for the company. In busy times there was often all the mail matter that a clerk could bring. The agent sat down at his desk in the counting-room, and the priest opened a thick foreign letter with evident pleasure. "'Tis from an old friend of mine. He's in a monastery in France,' he said. "'I only hear from him once a year.' And Father Daly settled himself in his armchair to read the close-written pages. As for the agent of the mills, he had quickly opened a letter from the treasurer and was not listening to anything that was said. Suddenly he whirled round in his desk-chair and held out the letter to the priest. His hand shook, and his face was as pale as ashes. "'What is it? What's the matter?' cried the startled old man, who had hardly followed the first pious salutations of his own letter to their end. "'Read it to me yourself, Dan. Is there any trouble?' "'Orders. I've got orders to start up. We're going to start. I wrote them last week.' But the agent had to spring up from his chair and go to the window next to the river before he could steady his voice to speak. He thought it was the look of the moving water that made him dizzy. We're going to start up the mills as soon as I can get things ready. He turned to look up at the thermometer as if it were the most important thing in the world. Then the color rushed to his face, and he leaned a moment against the wall. "'Thank God!' said the old priest devoutly. Here, come and sit down now, my boy. Faith, but it's good news, and I'm the first to get it from you. They shook hands and were cheerful together. The foreign letter was crammed into Father Daly's pocket, and he reached for his big cane. Tell everybody as you go up the street, sir, said Dan. I've got a hurricane of things to see to. I must go the other way down to the storehouses. Tell them to pass the good news about town as fast as they can. Twill hearten up the women. All the anxious look had gone, as if by magic, from the agent's face. Two weeks from that time, the old mill bell stopped tolling for the slow hours of idleness, and rang out loud and clear for the housekeepers to get up and rang for breakfast, and later still for all the people to go in to work. Some of the old hands were gone for good, and new ones must be broken in in their places, but there were many familiar faces to pass the counting-room windows into the mill-yard. There were French families, which had reappeared with surprising promptness. Michel and his pretty daughter were there, and a household of cousins who had come to the next tenement. The agent stood with his hands in his pockets and nodded soberly to one group after another. It seemed to him that he had never felt so happy in his life. "'Jolly-looking set this morning,' said one of the clerks, whose desk was close beside the window. He was a son of one of the directors, who had sent him to the agent to learn something about manufacturing. "'They've had a bitter hard summer that you know nothing about,' said the agent slowly. Just then Mrs. Kilpatrick and old Mary Cassidy came along, and little Maggie was with them. She had got back her old chance at doffing, and the hard times were over. They all smiled with such blissful satisfaction that the agent smiled too, and even waved his hand. End of Part 6 End of The Grey Mills of Farley by Sarah Orne Jewett